This is the Things We Do podcast, a podcast about film, life, television, culture, mental health, and all that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my special guest and friend, Alana Louise. Thank you for joining me. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's great. Um, so, Alana, before we kind of like get into everything, tell everyone who you are and what you do and a little bit of a spiel about yourself. Okay. So, I'm Alana Louise. Um, I am uh, an actor uh, and I'm trying to write at the moment um, and I make some random things with friends sometimes. I have a little um, comedy uh, Instagram called Seamus and Patrice um, and I do a lot of stand-up. So I guess like actor, kind of writer, stand-up person, <laughs> good friend. <laughs> I'll good, add good. that to the resume. <laughs> good friend. It yeah. does a lot. Um. So, which one came first? Was it acting and then kind of doing into stand-up or what was the order? Okay, so it was definitely acting. So, I started, I technically started acting when I was, um, when, when I was a bub, when I was, when I was probably 10, mm-hmm. um, because I was a bit of a dick and I'd always, um, I'd always get in trouble for just being like just a bit of a general uh, dick in school. Yeah. And I went to a boarding school and they, uh, at nighttime, there was like a drama club um, where you do like the school play and stuff like this. Um, And I got in so much trouble one time where they're like, that's it. You can't be on your own after school. You have to, we're going to have to sign you up to this like drama club thing. So someone can keep an eye on you. And I thought it was the shittest thing in the entire world. I hated it so much. Um, but I, I came to realize I really liked the attention, so I just kept going back. <laughs> and yeah, and then that's kind of how it came about. Oh my god, I, I love. I was a bit of a rebel child, and I needed to lose some energy. That's what you do, don't you? Send your your weird kids to drama class. <laughs> it's like the curriculum is like this will this will take care of all your extra energy. <laughs> Deal with it. Yeah. Um, and then and then obviously like. I guess comedy and you know stand up comedy and stuff like that came much that much came, later. Yeah, that probably came in year um year 11 or 12 when um I, I kept talking over one of my teachers by accident because <laughs> I just thought everything they had to say was so funny and I really wanted to point it out to everyone in the room. <laughs> Not bully them, but just just you know give some yeah, light yeah. to the classroom. And um his name was Mr. Button, he was lovely and he said uh, there's this comedy competition called Class Clowns and I really think you should do it. And I never really thought of it until then and um, I kind of came up with a skit about one of my friends who has six toes and uh, I, I, I I tried to punch up but maybe it was punching ducks. The poor lady had six toes. But she thought it was funny um, so we kind of we went with it. It sounds horrible. <laughs> I'm a bully. <laughs> um it sounds really bad but it, there was like this joke where you know i had a fight with my friend mm. who had six toes in camp and they walked away but it was okay because we could track the footprints and it, it, it was it, it had it was funny because i made it out like she was a bully beforehand so it was okay to kind of comment on her toes but it's never really okay to comment <laughs> on someone's funny and there's the whole i'm doing myself too but that's how comedy came about one of my teachers suggested it to me and i did that competition which is a fantastic competition yeah yeah and then and then like you sort of done bits and pieces have you focused mostly on comedy like still to this day or has it kind of been like in and out so it's definitely been um 
in and out. Uh, acting is is my is the goal. The yeah. a- acting is the goal now because it's just made me feel so. It's made me feel so human because if I can play these characters yeah. that are so fucked up, I can. Yeah. Kind of. Am I allowed to say that? Fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, if I can play like a character that's like really fucked up and accept them and love them, like I can kind of channel that for yeah. myself. Like I can take that forgiveness for myself and hopefully like other people can see that and relate. So I think acting's the goal, but um I love comedy such a passion. I love making people laugh. Yeah. So it, it kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Um I mean like that's kind of like a hard thing as well because being stand up must be you know be a incredibly nerve wracking thing to be in front of an audience and be like, I gotta make people laugh on cue. <laughs> yes. Um, not just like ha ha, I can tell a joke every now and then and people will laugh. Yeah. Um was that just really much a like a turning curve for you to sort of like do you find it easier to make people laugh now or do you still find it kind of like nerve wracking when oh, you're in a room? Absolutely terrifying. If it's it's so funny because like if I am just trying to be like genuinely like a good friend to someone and make someone laugh, I can make them laugh. No, no worries. I can, I can force a chuckle at there because you know. Yeah. But if it is, um, yeah, if it's like cue Alana now laugh, I do get really nervous. But I think I try and use it in my sets or, um, mm. yeah, or, or use it in. A, specific character channel that energy through something beneficial that's awesome yeah it's it's, yeah i mean like that's one of the things that a lot of people don't realize about like um you know anything like that is is kind of a lot of it also it's just like putting yourself out there in front of an audience and kind of willing to be ridiculed yeah um do you put it in the same category as acting which is kind of also the same thing because you get ridiculed for being like certain characters or you know a certain portrayal of a thing you'll probably get me you know either good feedback or negative feedback depending how the character is received um and negative feedback doesn't always mean a bad thing that's like it's it just because it might not necessarily be about your performance they might be like your performance is great i just hated the character so much mm-hmm. and that's also like kind of a compliment because you can make someone so awful and um and horrible but do you find like that's kind of like you put comedy stand up comedy into the same category as acting with kind of that nerve-wracking or do you find acting a lot easier to dump straight into that's interesting i think I think I put it into the same category because when I'm doing stand-up, I always play yeah. a character. Um, but having said that, I think I find like theatre and film d- so different. Like, yeah. of, like with the nerves and stuff, I think theatre is – I find theatre terrifying, absolutely terrifying. I think that's why I kind of like it because I'm a small bit of an adrenaline junkie. So <laughs> I kind of like to be, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and but then I really I find films so comforting. Yeah, because you get like the security of another take, and you also get the security of like more real life stuff around you. I think with theater, you have to work really hard to Im- 
like endow the the fourth wall is something that that can influence you but yeah but in fact it's like a whole heap of eyes just hearing seeing you and taking you in so i think that's so terrifying it's it's a lot more work to kind of um, imagine in the space yeah yeah i mean like and you describe yourself as a little bit of a a nervous or you know like insecure person or just mostly nerve nervous Uh, maybe maybe deep down insecure (laughs) um i i think i i'm a nervous actor i'm a nervous actor and i'm a nervous creative um but I, i think i'm i'm like a confident person confident i can be confident in the world to, yeah. to a degree but then when it does come to something that i care about so much i get really n- nervous and i think there is an inner critic um continuously asking me if i ca- if i if i'm worthy enough to do it yeah yeah which is tough as anything um yeah. to be like oh i'm i'm this kind of person yeah um was that always the case, though, with you? Were you all because you obviously loved being the center of attention? Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, it's kind of interesting that on the other side of the coin, that it's real. You know, you put your heart and soul into everything that you do. Um, how do you kind of juggle that in your, you know, in your head? Like, how do you make sure it's all kind of like balanced? I think I'm learning. I haven't <laughs> at all, and I'm very consequent. Um. I think I'm just learning um, because I'm just coming out of uh, an institution now where I was studying acting for three years Mm. and um, I didn't do anything to kind of balance work and self and self-care and work. I I honestly thought that my, um, my worth was based off of my work yeah and i think now i'm unpacking that and you know taking some time to be a bit more human and decide and do some of the stuff that i like doing instead of just going 180 at this whole acting thing that when it does kind of fail or if i don't get a recall or if i don't get a part or if you know i miss something then i'm kind of left struggling so i'm trying to like give myself enough validation now to be like no well if you don't get that or if you don't put in that extra hour tomorrow you are still going to be fine like yeah you're you're okay yeah that's a lot of self-worth kind of struggle 100 percent um do you do you find that that's kind of like the nature we have as creators though like that everyone because i don't think this is everyone that i i think there, there are a lot of creatives out there who are just perfectly content they have no <laughs> issue they know they're like i'm fine i'm yeah. good at what i do and then there's a lot of other ones who are always self-critiquing mm. um and going oh i could be better and i could be and it, you know and everyone's sort of like i think with acting it's so subjective because no actor is 100 percent alike yeah. it's it's because you're basing it off one your own experience and two um, just your your own skill sets because a lot of it comes from what you can harness and whether or not, um, like I know some actors who can cry on cue and some actors who can't. Like um, I think it's a very like, you know, challenging thing. Um, when did, 
what kind of like actor would you describe yourself as? Like a, a very much like, you know, because there's different types of actors out there. What would you describe yourself as very method or very character um, character based or very like um, just spur of the moment? What would you kind of like describe yourself as? I think this is an interesting one. I think it changes with every um, part I'm like I'm allowed to play. Mm. Um, there'll be there was like one audition I took so seriously that I went to visit all of the places that were mentioned in that three minute script. Wow! And, and those places were um, like across the state. And wow, there was like okay. they were hours apart and I was like, no, I have to go, I have to be there, I have to um I have to really feel it. I think because the character was close to who I was, I needed to put myself in those situations and imagine those circumstances in those specific places to give myself um the chance at a more genuine performance. Yeah. So that that was one process. But then on the other hand, um there'll be like comedy characters where I'll read the script once and like for, for like uh, a, a sketch or something where I'll read the script once, I'll think of the dot points once, um, kind of note down what resonates with me and then I'll just go on and improv it. Yeah. So which, it you know, it was changes. great. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that I think is also like a lot of people don't, you know, you're kind of a malleable, because, you know, there's, the, I always find this is the thing. Some actors have just like set parameters that they mm. set, which is fine. If you are one of those actors, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do like those sort of ideas that we can and try and just uh, immerse ourselves into this world. You know, there's only so many limits you can immerse yourself into fantasy or like yeah. sci-fi or anything like that. But some actors, you know, just really gun ho into the, you know, if they, have to research, you know, certain genres. They'll go and research certain genres to yeah. make sure they get how that genre works and just kind of like the what's expected of them. Um, and, yeah, that's that's a very hard um, but also very interesting thing. Like I, I know, you know, so many people who have just watched countless shows to kind of get their heads around certain concepts like you know yeah um time travel and everything like that if you're going for sci-fi or like a western film so they'll go and watch classic western you know and then same with horror you know if you go oh watch these films people will go and watch them yeah. people will actually go and watch the films oh. and and i love that it's sort of like because i've done um, bits and pieces of directing and when i tell actors to go and read or research something. It's very surreal because you think, oh, these are films I love. <laughs> and then they come back and they go, that was a really good film. And that's like, I can't believe I've never watched it. So one, you're educating someone on a very good film. Yeah. Um, but two, they're understanding why they're expanding their knowledge on, and this is the thing as well. I think with every film you watch, you learn something new about how something's made and put together. And I think that's with acting, and it goes back to like everything. I think acting, there are so many cogs in what works in a film. Acting is one of them. Like it's, you know, a good script, good actors and, and good set and like production value is all, you know, just, you know, but you can shoot something. I've, I've seen the best indie films yeah. where they're shot in the woods and they're like low budget, but they, they're shot with just like three people 
and they're probably about half an hour to an hour, but they're just really engaging because they've used what they're limited to. And I feel like, um, you know, when you get indie productions or big productions where you can see these like limitations everyone's taken, it really shines about, you know, people putting in the grueling hours um, after, you know, like 12 to 16 hour days and then going, look at the result we made and, you know, with our blood, sweat and tears. Um, but are you, are you one of those people who is also a bit of a workaholic? Would you describe yourself as a bit of a a, a work freak? A hundred percent if I like the project. Yeah. If if I, and I think um, my likes are quite niche. <laughs> if I really like the project, it I can become completely consumed and like what I was saying before about like worth and work. Yeah. I think um that kind of does it, it it does make you kind of stay up the extra hours later because you feel you feel like you're giving yourself yeah. you know that value that you can do this um yeah, but I it, if 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 I like the project. I liked what you said before um when we went recording about that you know you don't need like the best camera. Yeah. You just need someone who knows what they're doing like all like the passion yeah. behind it to make something so um i think when i do like a project and i like the people who are passionate they know what they're doing i can definitely yeah. run myself into the ground trying to um be good for you know like those simple means so I yeah really, i really like them um I think I think that's just also the the one oh one lesson I learned very early on because um, this industry, as I've said many times, burns you out very fast, and you got to be passionate about it. Um, but you also got to look after people. And one thing that I say to people is, whenever you're on set and um, doing stuff for free or doing stuff like for minimum wage, make sure you feed people. Like mm. one oh one, feed people, make the meal nice. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be the best meal in the world, but it just as long as they get snacks and food and water, generally people are very happy. Yeah. It's it's keeping people, you know, it because it's always like the thing about people is it's it's not a selfish act. It's it's very selfless to feed people. It's very much you're thinking of, you know, other people and it but it, together yeah, well. but it also it's... brings everyone and they're willing to come back. Yeah. That's the one thing that I also say to anyone because making a project is very expensive. There's a lot of funds that you don't think of. I mean, I remember doing a shoot recently and it was a one day shoot and we, you know, went um, a little over budget, but it wasn't like huge. But I remember when we sort of um, chatted about it and then we sort of looked through it and everyone took a pay cut to their normal rates. And we went through the, you know, the what their original rate would be, yeah. and you worked out the, um, the, you know, it being like thirty more thousand dollars on top of what we were already like set as a budget, and that was, you know, it was for a charity, so it was like they yeah. they were limited to what they could afford. Um, but in in saying that, the time that was spent on it. It was one of the funnest set experiences that I've ever been on because everyone was there. They believed in the project. So it wasn't about necessarily the money for them. Like money was, you know, because it was their job, but they weren't, they were taking that pay cut to also help out with something that they believed was important. And they were like willing to work with people who they hadn't worked with before or willing to, you know, or there was a crew that they knew. And so therefore it was like, they were excited to work together and meet new people. And it, it was just like, that to me is sort of, 
you know, uh, one, I got to produce that, which was quite a lot of fun. But also, yeah. two, it was like, you know, I had people coming up to me and going, that was one of the best sets they've been on because, one, it was so well organized, but two, it was also just a really nice family-friendly fun. So I'm, I mean that when you go to a set, it's not got to be stressful. One, keep everything on time. If you finish early, even better. Like it doesn't, um, it doesn't matter being paid or anything because always keep everyone to their time. Yeah. And timing is hard when you make a film. I stress this to the nth grade. Timing is hard. Um, so whenever you go, oh, we're spending start time here to end time here. You want to end at your end time or you want to end before your end time. But when you say end time, that means that half an hour before that, you've actually stopped filming. Everyone's packing up. So by that minute, they everyone's out the out. door. Yeah. And it's not like that's when you stop filming. Because some people assume that that's the stop filming time. It's like, well, no, that's the everyone's packed up and gone. And that is a very – and saying to people, hey, can we go over – is a big ask because people have families, people have you know people things they go home to, and like yeah, yeah. um, like what's you know I I guess because you're you know you were writing a a, a film, yes. Um, are we allowed to say that? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I wanted to make sure because I didn't want to like go onto a segue and be like, mm. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, we you're writing a film. Does that cross your mind when you think about? your film as well like the the times and you know how long you want to film for and you know things like that even though you've just had your first initial read yeah is that stuff that you thought about well even with the read I had um actors come in like my friends um and different creatives come to hear the read and I was so aware that they were showing up because they wanted to and they weren't being paid to and they weren't being mm. I didn't y- you know I couldn't really compensate anything I could make them a cup of tea and that's what I did but um you know that was it so they yeah. really were showing up because they wanted to and I was so aware of that and I think now even thinking about making it and a about how I'm going to be able to fully fund a film, a feature film for people who care about me and will give me absolutely anything. I can't, I can't accept that. I need to, um, you know, source the, the correct funding, like according to the MEA rates, because I'm not going to do that to my industry. I think there is yeah. a thing with, even if it could be like finishing on time, um, you know, paying your friends the correct amounts, like, mm. you know, or even taking jobs that aren't paid, like according to the MEA rates. I don't think we can afford to do that right now when the arts are being penalized. Oh, yeah. We have to kind of, we have to look after each other and we have to, you know, say no to the jobs that aren't going to, pay us good because then we're going to pave the way for future actors to yeah come through and expect the same as what's been dealt before we we want to you know create a standard that we're not going to step beneath and i think actors and creatives filmmakers alike we're all very empathetic compassionate people <laughs> we just want yeah. to do something for a good cause and that cause could even be friendship but we can't afford to do that i don't think anymore. yeah i think i think a lot of the time it's all it's just a challenge it comes down to just being a 
massive challenge. Yeah. And, but a big feat because, you know, that's the thing. Passion drives so much. Mm. And I will say this to the nth degree that when you have an idea and people believe in the idea yeah. and whether or not that idea happens now, tomorrow, or in a few years' time, whenever it happens and it's ready to go, people will be there yeah. because if people believe in the idea, they're there. And I think that's one of the things that I love about this industry, as you were saying, like people want to be there to support each other. And I am you know, also very lucky to know so many people who are like that, yeah. who will drop everything to help me out with a project or, you know, whether or not they have the time. Like sometimes the, the people just don't have the time. They just can't help out. But, um, you know, I've done projects where it's just like they haven't happened because of, you know, funding reasons. Yeah. And, but people have said to me, and it's like, oh, when it does happen, yeah. I'll give me, there. yeah, I'll give me a shout because I still want to be involved. So there's, there's never a sense of like people dropping. They're just, they want to know that it's going to, I guess, be in a position where it will be, you know, financially fundable and also just logistically possible because sometimes an idea is very ambitious and, and like, you know, anyone who's made a film on practically no budget, I've never done it in I did my HSC film on zero budget mm-hmm. and I shot that, I edited that and I acted in it. Hey. Um, but, it, you know, it's like a nice small short film. Uh, but, yeah, everything else it's kind of like over time I just realised I couldn't get away with not at least putting money towards something like feeding people yeah, or doing something yeah. like that. And I think um, when I started making like, you know, uh, the Doctor Who mini skits, which people have seen on YouTube, um, they – were entirely um, like, you know, feeding people, but getting my friends to help me out for free. Mm. So a lot of the time it was asking favors. And then over the course of time, it just suddenly got, okay, I need to pay for makeup. I need to pay for sound. I need to pay for, uh, you know, DFO. Like I just need to start funding, you know, outwardly. It's hard stuff. Yeah. It's so hard. Um, And you just, you know, like, um, yeah, it's it's a nuts industry, but you know we've also got to also look after each other. And I think it's also when you know people, um, you know, there is a, uh, you know, I I do editing um, sometimes for free, and I think that's like, you know, I edit a lot, but it's one of those things that I'm happy to do because if I believe in a project, I'm just like cool. I don't think twice. I think it's because my nature is just with editing. I feel like I'm being a kid again. Yeah. It's one of those things that I never thought about being paid about. And I don't know why. <laughs> um, but yeah, anything else that's like, you know, just I'm always like, oh, well, you know, that that is a time consuming thing. But editing isn't, for me, I just enjoy it. I find it very therapeutic because a lot of the time you're stressing about something, how to make it look good. and But also it's a lot of fun. It's a lot mm-hmm. of fun going through something and looking at how it works and, you know, what's the good take and what's a bad take. So then there are some things that I think in this industry, people will always assume they'd love to do for free. Unfortunately, this industry, you've also got to live. And that, you know, we live in a very capitalistic society. I have a lot of problems with that because I don't think, I was thinking this the other day, you know, like, you know, because we're in a, a, a money, like a cashless system. Now we're in a card age and a chip age. Um, everyone going and buying things, you realize the dollars that go out of your bank account and then things that go into like coffee and food and, you know, and objects and stuff like that. And just 
consumables. And I thought the other day, I was like, our society is based entirely on trading. This is all it is, is trading. But it's trading a commodity that not a lot of people get. Mm. And then because it's valued at different rates of people's time and and or people's positions rather than going, I've got this thing, which is back in the day how they traded and go, I've got this thing that I don't want anymore. Would you like it? So I can trade you for something you don't want anymore. And that was how we used to trade. And, you know, whether or not it was, it was basically just putting value to something you know, yeah. and worth. And a lot of the time now we just think of, you know, because, you know, you do crops, like you grow crops and then trade it for bread or something like that. You give yeah. it to the, the mill. So you would trade that and then they give you the bread that they probably yeah. used your crops to make. And if the someone's bread. bread's better than, yeah. than Gregory's bread down the road, you want the better person's yeah, bread <laughs> and you'll pay more for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think it's like, um, you know, there's, there's a huge sense of this arts, you know, like I think the unions like MEEA work wonders Mm. um uh, but also the other side of the coin is you want it to be beneficial to this society because the arts is not supported by a capitalistic society at all it's not really thought about in a economic sense it's because the liberal government don't think of it as a viable commodity really what's your thoughts on that (laughs) <laughs> I, I imagine a big spiel is about to happen. Uh, I um I think it's sometimes okay. This could be getting quite deep, but sometimes I think it's so hard to exist, like because there's so many social pressures, there's so many financial pressures, there's just so many things going on. Um, and when you chuck on the telly and you kind of see this one character go through similar set of circumstances that you go through I feel like you've you get a great sense of relief you feel yeah. seen and like as a species that you know need each other you know we're not soul animals we are pack animals it is amazing to know that when you're turning on your telly or you're flicking on the film or you know you're you're reading that zone or whatever Zine, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you you're kind of entering a s- story that is taking away a lot of the pressures from your life because they go through the same thing. You can relate, and it gets easier. Like a problem shared is a problem halved. Yeah. Um, so I think to kind of have no value to that sense of relief, um, especially like by a, a governing body who are creating a lot of the pressures already and kind of taking away the relief from the pressures yeah that are kind of um passed down i I just i don't know it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me um i think it's like also overwhelming because i know that i'm going into an industry that there is a lot of bias to the arts um, yeah just because People higher up, I'm doing quotation marks, um, <laughs> don't value it, and yeah. it just it makes it just feels shit. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of all. I, it just I have a lot of um, yeah, that's all. No, I think I, that, I think there's a lot of opinions, but I don't know how to articulate them. No, very that's well. I think that's very valid. 
um, you know, because I agree it's very hard to exist in this um, society. I think it's also like I keep saying this, there's 7.6 billion people on this planet compared to 100 years ago, which I think there was about three point something, three point mm. four point something. And that is a huge increase in human population. And a lot of that was the baby boomers generation. And a lot of that was, you know, just people having kids and the expectation to have kids because wars were over and everything like that wasn't existing. Now, in, the, in saying that, that's been a good thing and a bad thing because the bad thing is we don't have the resources. We didn't really have the resources back then. Now we have less resources yeah. because we've got more people. And, you know, a lot of the time because of that, it's very hard for a lot of people to feel like they fit in because there's so many people to compare yourself to than back in the day where well, you probably have a lot less people to compare yourself to. And not to say that human beings aren't amazing, but we are very, I want to say fickle. We're very flaky, fickle, problematic, and in a lot of different ways because we're we're an, we're essentially like um, an ape that got very far ahead in life. <laughs> um, and through evolution, um, which is what I believe, um, and and that is contrary. Um, you know, contrary to anyone else's belief systems, but I believe in evolution. And one of the things that I do believe is when, you know, we are, we are animals and we do things that animals do, like, you know, um, but you know, when we go, it's funny because we'll go to a zoo and go, look how great we are compared to this ape. And I'm like, that is our descent. And we, this is a family relative essentially, <laughs> but also at the end of the day, Everyone goes, look at the fascination on how these animals like procreate and all this stuff. And I'm like, human beings are disgusting just as much as any other animal. We are mm. amazing, but we're also just as disgusting. And I think we always like putting ourselves on a pedestal of how great we are. But there's a lot of the time that if human beings didn't exist, a lot of also good things might happen. Like nature would be everywhere. <laughs> Like animals would be roaming, and and that's that's not to be like, whoa, humans get rid of them, um, but I do think that whenever a situation like you know I'll say a pandemic or anything like this, um, happens, there is always a little bit of me just goes, we do this to ourselves because we love to experiment. Curiosity killed the cat. Curiosity. Kills us. Yeah. We are our own worst enemy in terms of that. And and it's the same because we're, you know, it's like we're talking about being self-critics. We just compare. We try and fix. We try and, like, make our lives prolonged. We're not a species that should, you know, essentially back in the day, we weren't really possible to live past 40. And now the life expectancy is, what, 100? And that's great. But you, you know, and, but you see some people who are like 119, 125, and they look like they just, they look like, you know, Prince Philip and everything looked like he was ready to die. <laughs> and, and that's awful to say, but you know, they get to a point of your age where you're just, your body can't keep up. And, you know, we are amazing creatures in regards to, we can have a career, we can do, tell films to the day we die, but I don't think human beings are meant to live forever. And I think, um, I think that you know, this is a very long-winded um, explanation, but I, I kind of really like, like it. it. Uh, but yeah, I don't think human beings are uh, are meant to live forever. I think we are. I think we're meant to evolve, 
And I really strongly believe that will evolve into something else. And, you know, whatever species or form that takes, but we are going to evolve like every other animal, like dinosaurs evolved into birds, mm. you know, like things like that, where they are just as a descendant. Um, and it's just fascinating because people just have this very bizarre assumption that human beings will always look the same. And it's like, no, we will look so different in the future. We are, and, you know, it's like, the thing is also like, I love that people forget that continental drift happens, like, the, yeah. uh, you know, that the world changes and, you know, and that 75% of our planet is water. There's not that much land. <laughs> there's a lot more sea creatures out there than there are people. Um, you know, and there's certain surfaces of this planet we've never explored because we can only survive on certain parts of it, which is land mostly. Yeah. And if you go down to the depths of the pressures of the ocean floor, you will die. Like we are that vulnerable. Um, it's it's kind of scary to when you think of it as a grand big thing but it's also fascinating because i think that makes you more grounded as a, especially as a creative because then you know like well how how far can we push the human emotion and how yeah. far can we push um you know like that's why i love sci-fi i think i think that's why it's my favorite genre because it's always those such real characters being thrown to their nth degree yeah um but that's you know like also i think i think i love about the arts is really drum you know difficult it's always moving and yeah changing, just like like the world you know yeah the, the plates moving uh sea levels rising like it's always moving and changing and i think people do the same thing mm. kind of mirrors it but i i do agree with you when you say that it's very hard to fit in because mm. it is when you think about it as a grand scheme of things it's very hard like um i will you know i Although I, I grew up in the 90s and I remember that I was born in 92 and just growing up in all um, that period, I was just like, uh, you know, just where do I fit in? You know, yeah. seeing everyone on TV. But back in the day, you know, TV was also pretty new. It was only been around in Australia for, I think, 20 years prior to me being born. Yeah. So everyone who watches TV now, everyone has a TV, but they stream. Back then, you didn't have streaming. You had live you had on air. Watch. You, you had, had to, to watch. watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, do you think that's been also a benefit to the um, to the arts, or kind of like a detriment to how much we compare ourselves to others? I think it's. I th right now, I think it's good. Options are good. Mm -hmm. Options where options aren't really options aren't good. <laughs> if yeah. that makes sense, like yeah. options where if you've turned on Netflix and everyone who you see on the little um, squares pop up is uh, white and looking hot and there's nothing really diverse going on there. Like, yeah. I think that's terrible. It's not an option. And I think it's really um, upsetting to be presented with options when there's not really options. You're just yeah. watching the same thing. But I think with the conversations about diversity and diversifying uh, industry and like the content that's being made right now, I think that's so important. Yeah. So I think um, streaming services can help that and keep providing us with different options. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's time for us to see some other stories um so i like that i like the streaming services i also like things like youtube and podcasts and stuff like that because 
people who don't necessarily have the budget to create something large scale can still you know with their own means make a story and yeah put it out there it might not be very widely seen but you know it could be and that potential is fantastic like you can still put something out and it can potentially be seen by a wider audience i think that's great i think i think that's the only way to do it is Mm. is um you know put yourself out there and and be you know expose yourself yeah um which is you know express yourself express yourself (laughs) you know in a a very public uh decency way um but yeah i do agree with that i think yeah i i find when streaming services came about um yeah like youtube red um you know netflix now stand we've got and we've got like disney plus which you know um and i you know god youtube's now um uh, my TV's now getting all the apps. Like it's just yeah. getting Hulu and stuff like that. It's yeah. just getting added on. Amazon and, um, yeah, yeah, Amazon and all that. But I think it really does. You're you're hundred percent right because I think it does like broaden. You know, there are stories being told from different diverse backgrounds. Like they're they're becoming more apparent where the main character isn't just white yeah. and hot, um, and you know, and the nerdy person isn't just nerdy. Like they're just they're not stereotypes anymore. Um, but you know, there's, there are a lot of characters that, you know, just still, I think in the nineties and early two thousands, they really relied on stereotypes to push people out there. And now we're trying to break away from that and create these really fleshed out and hugely different characters, um, around the world. Like, I think there are a lot of, a lot of people who are different now. Um, than they were like what's um i think also with saying that like wh- as a f- creative what do you want to push the barriers on to in your f- you know in your work yeah. to make sure that your work stands out and in is diverse and how how do you go approaching that um so with my writing so with the film that i've just written yeah binchuk it is an odd biographical but it's semi-autobiographical where I'm taking parts or feelings of my life or certain situations that I've been in and I'm kind of twisting them into something a bit more um I, 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 distant from me maybe yeah I'm trying to make it more um, a safer project for, for 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 me probably um the I just really observe the world. Like yeah. I've, that's, I go back to those certain situations that I've been in and I've really um, tried to note down who was there. Um, and it, honestly, it wasn't a, a bunch of hot white people. It was a, a bunch of very different, great, beautiful people. Um, yeah, just really mirroring society really going and like counting everyone who's there and getting their feedback on it yeah and their feedback on the role that they played in those certain circumstances um and 
writing it with that sort of direction. Mm. Yeah, that, that's how I'm trying to... I think my my films very much is about um, it's a choose life film, so it is a film about mental health and how fragile the line between life and death is when your mental health is so poor. Yeah, um, and I think I'm trying to make suicide not an option in that film, and. I'm trying to really open up the conversation for particularly high school students going through that mm. pressureful time of year 12. I'm trying to open up that conversation. Um, that is when you have these thoughts and feelings. Yeah. What do you, what do you do? Um, how can we stay on the life side of things? Suicide shouldn't never be an option for anyone. Yeah. Um, like your life is, too important you are too beautiful so i kind of go back to in writing that the way that i've thought about it diversely is i haven't really thought about it diversely i've just tried to be honest and account for everyone who was there mm. and i've asked um characters um like the real life version of these characters but not really yeah <laughs> uh, what their story was in um, a certain event that happened in my life which helped me write the film well it didn't help me write the, it encouraged me to write the yeah. film um, so that's kind of how it's been written that's yeah a, that's lovely I mean you, you're a big you know I know because talking off um, off um, mic to you about it but you are a big advocate for like mental health and and like people having a good like mental health oh 100% I think um, I've definitely had times where I've struggled um, yeah. with my whole worth being kind of placed on my work or um, what I've done. I just think I've always tried to see the best in people. Yeah. And that's not a compliment to myself at all. That is just I've always tried to make things okay for everyone. I've kind of thought... In my lifetime, <laughs> this, this is so hard on a podcast because I'm so gest gestural. I think I'm speaking yeah. through my hands. Um, but I think I've always fucked up more than anyone else has fucked up in a room. Yeah. And I think I've always gone into every single room thinking that, hey, whatever you've done, it's okay because I can promise I've done something 10 times worse. Um and I think like always thinking like that and always yeah. kind of being like that probably isn't great for me, but it does mean that I can forgive whoever is um, wanting to be a part of my company. But when you say that, are you? what do you mean that you fucked? <laughs> is it, are you going to elaborate like on? I can, like I've been very <laughs> irrational. Um, I've been a very irrational person. I have um had times where i've neglected my mental health mm. and i've made some silly decisions um uh, when i was really little i told the worst lies imaginable and um i've just really been the not great human being that i have <laughs> wanted to be yeah um so i i kind of always think that 
no matter what anyone else has done in the room, it's going to be okay because I've got the position of I've done, I've done the that. shit person. I can carry that for everyone because, you know, I can promise you not like missing an interview isn't going to be anything compared to some of the stunts that I've pulled. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I like to try and <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm not very articulate. That's okay. Um, it's like I don't know how to explain it. I'm a big advocate for like checking out your mental health because I know what it's like to have shit mental health. Yeah, and kind of on the other side, but kind of not really on the other side. It's always better when you're looking after yourself, mm. and you are so much more beautiful, and you are so much more. Uh, well, you're always beautiful, but you are so much more valuable to yourself when you are looking after yourself. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. And I think, um, you know, I think that comparing yourself to fuck up is <laughs> <laughs> probably not the best way to deal with it. But I do admire that you're, that's your your first point of call. Uh, it's like, I've done worse than you. So, yeah, so you're okay. Uh, you're okay. I've got you back. <laughs> um, but no, I feel like that's, that's true because I feel like when you do have um, mental health issues or anyone has like anxiety and depression and everything, um, you know, it, there's no cure for this stuff. You've no. just got to manage it. It's continual checking in with yourself. Yeah. Um, and my friend told me once, uh, she, she said when she gets, cause she's quite an anxious person. She, when she gets super anxious and the inner critic is going hundred miles an hour, she just stops and asks herself, is this beneficial? Yeah. The answer is no. What am I going to do about it? Right. And I just think it, those two questions have really helped me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because it, it, it means you, you're recognizing where there's a part of you talking that's not necessarily the you you want to invest in. Yeah. And then the what am I going to do about it part is actioning something more healthy and something more uh, in tune with your essence, your real essence, yeah. you know. I like that, yeah. That's um, that's really beneficial. Mm. Uh. Yeah, she's really smart. <laughs> I'd say her name, but I, I don't want to as well. It's like, we will find you. Yeah, we'll find you. No, that's that's fair. I mean, like that's a really good, really good approach to life as well. Um, I mean, I find anxiety is one of those things. It's, it's just one of those things that people live with. Like, I will encourage anyone, if you want to see a therapist, if you want to be on medication, go and do it. Like, just do, do what you, you benef- um, benefits you. And I remember I see a psychologist um, and I see her every probably like two, three months. Um, so it's not like huge, but I remember when things were really bad, I would see her probably like once a month. Yeah. Um, now it's sort of like, you know, but I don't, I think it's like, I remember when I went on medication, I've been on medication for about a year. I remember the first like three months, like just things got easier. And this is not to say it happens to everyone. Like I was just particularly lucky, but I do remember my anxiety went down and they did pre-warn you when you do go onto medication, they're like, you're going to have a period of time where you probably don't know what you're feeling because your body is getting adjusted for a different 
chemical compensation. Yeah. And it's true. You just don't, your body just goes, hmm, I'm existing and that is life. But um, like on the on all these packages, they say, you know, if you're prone to suicidal thoughts or anything like that, just make sure you're seeing a psychologist or you're talking to someone or you're just, you know, making sure you've got a supportive network. Which I did, you know, I was very lucky in that position. But I know that not everyone is lucky in those positions. Like, not everyone has the supportive network. Um, but in saying that, like, yeah, it was just like I happened to be a, an okay case where I came out the other side and I was feeling much better. And, like, I still have days where I don't yeah. feel great. That's not to say that the medication was the cure, cure all. That's not what I'm saying at all. Because I, you know, this past couple of days I've had up and down days. But in saying that, like... There are ways to, you know, even talking things out loud, even if it's by yourself or to a friend or to your parents or to whoever, they do, it's the moment you get those irrational thoughts into words, yeah. you do feel a little bit better, like, because it, it, you realize you start to hear how irrational yeah. those words are because you're like, oh, I verbalized it. Now I sound like this doesn't make any sense. Why would I be feeling like this? And I think it's when you make it real like yeah. you said it out loud, your brain automatically has a way to process it. Like it's, um, you're just like automatically checking and ticking a list off and your brain just goes, oh, oh, no, I don't need to worry about that. And it puts yes. it into another category. And this doesn't work for everyone, but if you have ways to visualize it or put it on a piece of paper or, you know, yeah. have methods to really just get it out of your head, then your brain has time to, you know, rethink about things and process it and then process that emotion and move on because yeah. a lot of the time it's good to it's good to sit in it but also not fester in it that's the thing don't let it fester let yeah. it you sit in it weigh your you weigh your options up but don't fester it and yeah as you say i don't think i don't you know think suicide is an option unless you know like obviously euthanasia is a different story but i don't think suicide is it you know because everyone is a beautiful person and i think it's just worth life is worth living yeah um but unfortunately you know sometimes you just don't get a say in in some people's lives and they do it without anyone knowing and you know and and that's awful circumstances if anyone is ever feeling like that um but yeah that does unfortunately happen and yeah. um you could be surrounding that person with so much love and they still do it yeah. like th- because you know whether or not they've you know as you as we said checked in on themselves and and there is a little bit of a grain of salt which is oh, not grain of salt um there's a little bit of a thing where i think people just think they wish they could have done more and and this is the thing people do the best they can with those situations sometimes the best you can is still not enough i know mm. but you can't stop that person of what they're thinking you cannot change how that person's brain is wired to think those things and that is really hard to comprehend but and it's not to say give up yeah but you cannot if that person if you lose someone to any circumstances you can't blame yourself and saying you didn't not do enough yeah. because you've done the best you can and that person just could not see it like could not see the love that was injected into their life yeah and that is unfortunate but um yeah a lot of people would blame themselves for it's I do think anyone should it's um it's so hard because I think that's with every suicide story the question is you know what could I have done yeah um and the unfortunate thing is is no one that party isn't around to have let you know 
um, anyway. They, yeah. They, they, they can't. They, they don't have a voice anymore in that sense, maybe in an ethereal sense. Yeah. And that, like, I'm a strong believer that if someone passes to the other side, they're still with you. Yeah. Um, But there is no firm voice in this world telling you what you couldn't couldn't have done i think um the reason why i wanted to write a film so i didn't actually want to write a film (laughs) i i wanted i was just finishing um nida my um Mm. final year of production and i was really nervous because uh, we kept getting told that we might get agents, we might not get agents, you might get Mm. auditions, you might not get auditions. And um, so I just started to journal. And when I was, I I came uh, to NIDA straight from year 12. Mm. And in year 12, I had a friend take their life. And I didn't really have any time to process that because the course was quite full on yeah um for three years and i really kind of put everything into it and i didn't really process how this person had impacted my life um Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until where all these like nerves were coming back up about like all right what am i gonna do agent not agent audition not audition yeah and then i was kind of slowing down a little bit more and the I was kind of reflecting on my friend and having those sorts of thoughts, like what could I have done? And maybe if I checked in a little bit more and um, so I just started to journal. The more I started to journal, the more I kind of felt better about what was going on. And then um, a couple, a couple of weeks passed and my sister called me up and she was in year 12 um at this moment in time and she just said that one of her closest friends had just took their life mm. and i was like what the hell like what the fuck is with this age group and um what what the what the fuck's going on so researched it to just try and understand and yeah i could also reflect on my experience during the end of year 12 where exams were coming up i didn't really know where i sat socially um or anything like that so um yeah so a lot of that went into my journaling which then turned into a comedy script because the only way i could actually process it was to laugh about it yeah and then it turned into a coming of age choose life film which is called binchuk um and it's essentially about when you are feeling so freaking low to just hold on to the next moment Mm. um because that moment might be slightly better um it's about that pinnacle point where you think you can't continue where life has gotten so bad yeah but if you were to just wait and see with curiosity the next moment could be something else something completely different um so that so that was kind of the yeah the the inspiration the how the idea of suicide kind of boggled me and how there is so much potential when you are you know 
there is so much potential in your life. Like if you could just hold off, you could maybe recover or, or get to a point where you can cope and educate other people on your feelings or what went on for you and you can make space for other people to um you know learn yeah, from yeah. your stories so I, I just think there's a lot of the potential of continuing and living a fully fledged life life is like that that potential just makes me freaking mad <laughs> uh when people decide to to take it away and the people that get left behind um are forever changed yeah and it's heartbreaking i mean one of the things i also think and this is a problem i have also with the curriculum not with the curriculum schools but i do think there's a huge pressure 100 on kids and um especially like whether or not their home life is great or you know how they're feeling or you know they i think a lot of uh, the stigma around kids growing up is when you know a lot of high school is a nightmare in mm. terms of hormones and everything. You're going through puberty, left, right, and center, feeling everything under the sun. Um, your emotions are all over the shop. Um, and yeah, and then you have the learning capacity to try and push all this information so that you can go to uni and or go into a job, which is high pressure. Yeah. And the expectation is high because it's created by people who are all about the money, not about the people. So I get that entirely. And I think anyone, you know, and I think that like also with COVID and everything, there was a huge increase in suicides, yeah. unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's just very hard to understand why, but, you know, having had a, um, having had a life where I've had suicidal thoughts before, mm. it's not surprising to me in a little bit of yeah. ways to understand why someone's taking their own life. But I shouldn't, I don't want them to. Like, there's part of me that doesn't want anyone to do that. But I also understand. Because I get kind of where their mind might have gone. But there's, a, you know, like, I don't think suicide is an option. I don't think it should be an option. It should never be. Um, yeah. You know, and it's just... It's just a very hard thing of just some people really can't see the good in the world. But I mean, also, like, we do project a lot of bad in the world. We do, you know. There's the, a lot of pressures. There's a lot of um, pressures. I mean, and, and look, social media and everything is not helping. You know, you know the as we were talking about streaming and everything, because you can see what everyone else is doing, you think there's a constant idea of everyone failing yeah. to meet a standard. And I think that is so hard because goes back to self-worth how much are you willing you know you know some people just go i can never be like them so yeah. why try why not just end it now and that is and some people just i know some people because when they lost their jobs in covid and they didn't get jobs back it really sent them into a downward spiral like some people are just very depressed because they couldn't get their jobs back some people clearly um you know committed suicide because they lost their jobs you know, like Melbourne had a high suicide rate because of their increased lockdown. And, yeah, it was just – it's very hard to kind of comprehend um, what a lot of people are going through. And I think the government should be much more aware of the high increase in suicide. And I think there should be um, awareness in schools, yeah. especially at that age, and there should be some reliever of pressure 
Um, yeah, and I kind of hope that my film points that out and yeah. asks people to do something about it. I, I have a question for you, if you don't mind. Oh, how dare you. How <laughs> Tables some, turned. Oh, yes. So oh. if you don't mind at all, like when you were feeling very low and yes. suicidal, what were some of the things that kind of – well, I'm, I'm also guessing that you're not there anymore, but I don't know. But um, what were some of the things that you did to kind of move yourself from that state onto another? Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, get out of toxic situations is one of them. Yeah, um, Yeah, change your environment. I mean, like one seeing a psychologist really helped. Uh, um, yes. But, but I mean, like the other side of the coin is listen to advice that you're given. Because it's one thing to be given advice. The other thing is to listen to that advice and actively use that advice. And, yeah, just get rid of toxic people because some people just – are either self-damaging and and self-destructive, and so therefore they will drag you down into their self-destructive pile. And I was surrounding myself with toxic people who weren't care. I think who weren't caring about anything I was interested in. Um, and yeah, the moment I removed myself from that, and I, you know, I started, you know, really looking after myself and going, what do I want? And I think, you know, like I say this, the COVID-19 was the best thing that happened to me, which yeah. was I was stuck in this apartment on my own for like six months. So I had really time to reflect on a lot of emotional health that I had and just really kind of just go and knuckle down and be like, hmm, okay, why do I feel these ways? Why do I, what can I do to benefit? And what's, what's my career goals and all these things? So there are a lot of things that I pulled myself out of, um, and yeah, I have a lot of empathy towards people. I'm very good with people. So, yeah. um, but yeah, there's a lot of things that I, I do think that when I was in a dark place, uh, I did lose friends and, yeah. and, and that is, um, not to say a bad thing because I just think that when other friends are going through tough times, they can't always comprehend, you know, it's, it's hard for them to process someone else going through a hard time and that's fair. Like I totally get that. But from a perspective of, you know, never liking to let someone down, I used to be one of those people. It doesn't matter how I felt as long as someone else was happy. Now I'm on the other end of the, um, the fence where it's just like, as long as I, you know, I'm okay, then I can look after that other person. But I have to be okay first in order to do that because you can't look after, you can't help someone if you're not okay. It's virtually impossible. Um so yeah, there's a lot of that. It's like reevaluating and also evaluating what I wanted and what my self worth meant to me. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of listening to advice, reaching out to people who probably had, um, you know, but also calling like Lifeline and stuff like that, and talking to people who had never had any connection to me, yeah. and just get advice from them. So did you call Lifeline? I did. How was that experience? If you don't mind me asking, never mind. I, I love these questions. Um, uh, no, fine. The the guy on the other end, I called them for about half an hour, but they, would, you know, their first initial question is always like, "Are you okay? Are you in a safe spot?" I was driving at the time, so yeah. Um, that was always a fun little escapade because I was driving from work, and I just had a um conversation with them about like 
you know, stuff that was going on at home and stuff that was going on. And the guy was just like, oh, it feels like you're not being really listened to. Yeah. I was like, oh, thank you. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. And it was just like, it was kind of one of those moments where it was just a thing clicked. And I was like, that is exactly how I'm feeling. I don't feel like I'm being heard. This person who has never met me on the other end of the phone is listening to me. And he's just like, as long as you're safe and as long as you're okay. And he was like, you're not near any things that, you know, you're not thinking about self-harm or anything like that. I was like, no. He was like, okay, you know. And so I spoke to him for about half an hour. Yeah. And he was just the nicest volunteer. He was so sweet. And, yeah, he just, you know, he instantly made me feel better. And, um, yeah, and I encouraged that to anyone. It was accessible. Like, yeah, felt yeah. like it was, it was there was no consequences after or anything no, like that. No, like you f- Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I think I encourage anyone to do this. And I think it's there's a huge stigma around the, like people being like, oh, no, it shows you're weak or anything like that. No, it's like, no, 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 no. Go, go and do it because weakness is doing nothing about it. Weakness is believing the stigma. Yeah. That is, that is, that is being weak. Being confident and strong is actively doing something and, and pushing through the barriers. 100%. Um, and yeah, and I think it was one of the best things that I did, um, because, you know, and I encourage anyone to do it because I was in a relation, uh, you know, I was in a relationship that was really toxic at the time and it killed a lot of, um, a lot of things for me in terms of like friendships and stuff like that but also I was just an emotional wreck most days like I was just unable to function without calling one of my close friends and just like almost going oh you know what 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 do you think of this and you know he'd be like I don't know why you're still with her and it's like oh but I care about her and it's like all these things and I I just think he was 100% right he was like she's not doing you any favors she is using you and she was like but it was just it came from a place of me wanting to feel like I was fulfilling this image or dream in my head when in reality that's not what I was doing. You know, I was like I was just festering in in you know, in in self destruction behaviour. And once I was out of it, it just took time to heal. Yeah. And now I'm in a better spot where I can able to reflect and, and move on. But you know, I will say this, even though I'm in a much better position. I will say this. Sometimes I do still kind of like think about those times and, you know, they hit you like a load of brick and they go, oh, shit, okay. Yeah. But you, it's easy to pull yourself out of it and go, um, you know, remove yourself from that again. Um, but, yeah, you will – there are going to be some friends out there who just can't support you. They just – they don't have it in their capacity to. Yeah. <laughs> and that is that is fine. Don't – don't hate them for it. Don't think they're being the worst friend. They just can't. And that is, yeah, it's it sucks for you as a person. But, yeah, it's just that's the way people are. Yeah. Um, and I think you'd only really learn that when you are at those pinnacle moments yeah. where you need someone um, and they have to let you down. But you ha- – but you, it's okay. Yeah, I know. There's other people out there who have the capacity. And I like what Oprah says um, that – she has her like you her she gives herself so much yeah her cup is so full that she she, her cup is overflowing and it can give to other people and sometimes people's cups aren't the most fullest and that's okay you just need to give them the space to let them fill their cup for a bit yeah yeah even like um 
I love my partner so much and he is always there for me. But if he's having a really bad day and it could be like, you know, if he's having a, like a pressureful day, I just know that I'm not not going to seek too much from him today. That's a boundary. Like, yeah, I will. The boundary is if he needs time for himself, well, then I will find my comfort elsewhere. You yeah. Know? And it's about having a bigger network, even reaching out to people who don't, you haven't necessarily spoke to too much, like even what you said, like a stranger or something. Mm. Um, I reached out once when I was feeling really low. Um, I think during first year, I was like, oh, fuck, I'm having a really shit time. And like, I can't really pick myself up from it. Yeah. Um, and I reached out to a girl who was in my media class because she always openly talked about how she was going and she kind of always presented the opportunity to her peers that they could reach out to her. I've never really spoken to her that, that many times before and I reached out and she was the best. We were on the phone for an hour and she was just listening to me. It was a beautiful, beautiful yeah. experience. You can get creative with your network. People are, people are good and really good people will be there for for you like regardless of like the nature of your relationship yeah i 100 percent agree with that and i think a lot of people forget that Mm. um especially like some you know like it's sometimes it's good to talk to someone who doesn't know anything because you get a different perspective entirely and you suddenly go i wouldn't have thought of that yeah um but also like you know, self-help books and, you know, stuff like that. But, yeah, I agree with you because I think that, um, yeah, it's good to get – it's good to have a solid network. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, being able to talk to people. Because some people don't. Some people just lock everything away and just go, I can't talk any – or some people – also the other side of the coin, some people just don't know how to get themselves out of it. They just yeah. – they let themselves sit in it. And – there is only so much you can do to to pull that person out of that yeah. zone, which you know, education yeah. point them in, in the direction of, of you know, a source of education. Point them in the direction of a therapist. Point them in the direction of help or something bigger than yeah. your opinion. If you, they're not listening to it, I think that <laughs> I think that's just very down to people's willingness. Mm. and and you know like as willing individuals um who have both reached low points that is something you know that a lot of people just you know when they if they're constantly like i rely on and i think it's good to rely on people but don't completely rely on them relying on yourself as well because that's when you can fall into when you lose that person or anything happens you know your self-worth is entirely based on that oh, person. 100%. And that's a dangerous thing as well. You know, it's it's nice to get um, words of affirmation or, you know, uh, like anything like that. But it, it doesn't mean you should rely entirely on those words to pick yourself up. You're just like... You have to do something for yourself. Yeah. And and people forget about that. They They just completely forget that, you know, you're number one in your own life. Yeah. Everyone else is number two, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, like I love my partner very much as well. And she and I will talk 
about stuff, but then also we know when to give each other a little bit of space. Um, and there was something that she sent me, which is, um, if you want um, advice or, or com- um, comfort. And those are two very different things. And I love that. She sent me, yeah, uh, that's interesting. And advice means here's the facts. Comfort means I'll be there for you. Yeah. And I love comfort, but sometimes <laughs> I want advice. Yeah. And if you just go, what would you like, advice or comfort? They can tell you and then you go, okay, cool, I'll give you comfort. And then I'll give you advice later. Like yeah. the later advice comes later. Or I can give you advice now and go, that's a silly decision. Or here's my actual opinion on something. And they might not want to hear it at that time when you're feeling emotionally vulnerable. 100%. But that's okay, like you know, because you've got to give it into the person's choice, whether or not they want to hear it. That's so interesting. Advice will come. I'm. That's really interesting. Yeah. Because sometimes when I sounds terrible, and it is, but sometimes when I hear something that I don't necessarily like, I'm like, "But you're meant to be there for me." And I think people are just trying to offer up that. Yeah, I should maybe be asking for comfort in those situations. Yeah. Because cause a lot of the time we don't, we, when we're vulnerable, we don't want advice because advice means stating the obvious and the facts. Mm. Comfort means you're just being supported because yeah. it's a bit of a shitty situation or you're feeling a bit shit and everything like that. But yeah, um, advice is always down to logistics and being like, yeah, you know, you should have thought about that. And I don't yeah. want to be like, you should have thought about that, but you should have, you know, that yeah. was quite an obvious thing. And a lot of people just go, oh, fuck, I don't want to hear that. You know, that's a... a you better be there for me. What yeah. are you saying? I thought yeah. you loved me. And, it, and, and advice always comes from a place of love as well. Like, um, yes. Both comfort and advice because there are things in life that um, are sometimes painfully obvious and then there are things in life that aren't obvious at all. Like, and... Um, or experiences. Experiences different for different people. And I love that. But some people just find that very annoying. Like when, some, you know, and this is different personality types, but some people will just be like, oh, you don't know that thing. Why not? And it's like, because I've never done it before. Yeah. That's entirely why someone might not know something. Um, so there's always got to be that willingness to explain and give advice and, and help, yeah. um, which is an important part. But also like in a, any relationship, it's communication. Yeah. It's, it's down to love, communication and you know, support because you surrounding yourself with an individual and like whether, and also probably like some people who are um, poly or anything who have multiple um, partners, you're surrounding people who you're intimate with and, and care deeply about, and you're going to have fights, you're going to have disagreements. Oh, and, yeah. and I think that the one thing that, you know, like films don't show is is that that's like yeah you love each other to the nth degree but you're also going to disagree on stuff and be like well i don't agree with you on that um but you know you're willing to discuss it as long as you're not fighting and you know and yelling at each other then i think that's the benefit of way but you also got to be understanding you got to understand where people because everyone comes from a different place yeah and they're coming from their own experiences and you know generally like a lot of the time um you know, we just end up spending our lives with either people who have had similar experiences, but never the same or yeah. different or completely different experiences in life, um, you know, but they're never going to be this identical to us. Well, that's what I find really hard with. Um, so I come from a very military background. Yeah. Um. So my 
my dad we, we we grew up kind of like on military camps we're surrounded like big rough guys and um sweet because i'm a bit of like a, a weed yeah. <laughs> very sensitive but that's not like a place where i've grown up from i've grown up from quite aggressive as well i think yeah like when people have to go away to war you have to be aggressive so i've kind of grew up in like a and some of the kids that i went to schools and stuff with they had because they coping with what their parents did while they were away they were quite aggressive um and i'm quite aggressive um but my partner is um he comes from like a very like loving family oriented uh chilean background mm-hmm. so the culture is already quite different where i've come from like a very english say it how it is and apologize later and then he comes from like a very let's just go with the flow <laughs> and you know we love each other so it, it doesn't really matter anyway where i'm i also struggle with like anger management problems so i think navigating that in a <laughs> relationship has been the most complicated thing because our natures are so very different we have two very different ways of communicating i have to continuously take into the fact that i can escalate at any moment uh-huh. and i have to manage that yeah to communicate first to listen then to communicate because if i communicate first god knows i'm not gonna listen yeah um but yeah it's it's so interesting and like learning what the differences are and being learning what the differences are and being willing to like compromise because of those differences are two very different things yeah absolutely and i'm learning i've i've, I've learned that this year because we've just moved in together oh. so yeah so that's definitely been a learning process <laughs> <laughs> i mean Look, how long have you two been together now? So we've been together um, two years. He's he's a beautiful little actor as well. He's not little. He's well. He's little. He's, he's scrawny. No, he's fine. I don't know why I said little. <laughs> I just I patronised him by that meaning too. Um, he's a beautiful actor. He's a beautiful person. Yeah, oh, that's lovely. I mean, like you know, living with everyone, living with anyone's always a challenge. So hard, but. Yeah. It's it it does help when it's your partner. It does help when it's your partner. Well, it does help, and then it it does help, but it it does mean that you know you are there. I think you're more vulnerable more often. Yes, especially at this age where where you're starting, where you're learning. Yeah. Um, and you have to admit that you're not perfect personally because they are with you. Yeah. In your most personal moments, you have to. Um, be when like you have to like willingly reveal you know some of the more deeper shit that's going on as well, just in case there is a night where you, you know you're crying and you're thinking about something, and they have to you know know where you're at because it's unfair for them to be in the space and not really know yeah everything. Well, not everything, like you know what goes on. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, and also it's hard. Um, it's a hundred percent hard with any relationship, um, to every day be on the same page. Oh yeah. Um, not at all. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, um, 
is you know I'm I'm intrigued to when me and my partners start living together. I'm sh- I'm sure it'll be fine, but it's all, automatically I'm also just like it will be interesting because yeah. there'll be a period, be a period of time where we'll probably just be like, oh, we're spending a, you know, but a lot of time with each other. But also we do enjoy that as well. Like you, and I think also what I admire about her is she has a great bunch of friends who she goes and sees. Um, oh, and she's she had, the independent. Yeah, she's very independent and likes Amazing. going and hang, hanging out with friends. So, and and she knows I like spending time by myself and doing introverted things sometimes, and also going out and seeing friends. So, you know, I think living together will be interesting because then we're just got to coordinate when we have time together and then when we're out, and that will just be down to what nights are we out at yeah. that time of week and um. And that's just a learning curve like that with any relationship and with anything, it's putting two lives together and, and making it work. And, you know, if you love each other and you're together, you know, and, and that admiration and, and love is so strong, then you'll be fine. Yes. But it it definitely is a challenge. A hundred percent. Yeah. We've gotten into the rhythm now when we're fighting, we've gotten into like the habit of saying, because when, sometimes when we we fight, it would be like the worst thing in the world. And it's like, oh, God, what, what the heck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but now we've got into the habit, like, during the fight, either one of us will say at some stage that, like, although this feels so much right now, it's not the end of the world. We're both still breathing. We're both going to get through this. So it's like, and that's always kind of like a point of diffusion because where it's yeah. like, you could feel even but the smallest thing <laughs> could make you feel the most betrayed. <laughs> like oh, yeah. if, a di- if a dish is not in the sink <laughs> and you've said it a million times, you know, that could feel like the biggest betrayal in the whole entire world and you can have a bit of a fight about it, have a bit of, you know, a small yell. Um, but when that is kind of said that like, okay, we are both breathing, let's gain a bit of perspective here. The quicker you can do that, it's something that... I'd recommend we just get into the habit of that because there'd be sometimes it'd be days where it would be the smallest thing in the world, but it would go on for like two days of just passive aggressive bickering. Sometimes, oh God. Not, sometimes not even the passive part would be in the kind of like, can't believe you've done this thing of, you know, putting a fork in the bed or something, <laughs> something silly. Um, uh, and he's never put a fork in the bed. That's not autobiographical. But, um, <laughs> you know, there, there would be something so silly and it would feel so personal because there is no other perspective. But the more that you do have your independence and, it, you know, you get those perspectives back yeah. quite, quite quickly. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, Once we had, we were arguing and um, we had a neighbor on a balcony below us come out stick his head up and say shut up and i was like oh sorry sam i'm sorry that you heard that he's like oh it's all right but jesus christ shut up i was like oh i'm sorry okay we went back in the side we just looked at each other and we were like i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> just the argument dropped oh someone else heard it Fuck. Yes. um oh it felt like the end of the world but it was okay I I love that, but also, <laughs> <laughs> but also calm down. Calm down. Yeah. Um, no, and and yeah, uh, like walls are thin. Yeah, walls are thin. Walls are 
again. I, <laughs> I wish they made them more thick, but maybe it's better. We can keep each other accountable from next door. Uh. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Um, I think that is probably going to be about do us. Cool. Because I've, I've loved this chat um, and we have been yeah. chatting for quite a while. I know. Thank you so much. It's been, it's been actually a blast. Thank you, Alana, for joining. Yeah. No, thank you so much. Um, and I had no idea what this was going to be coming into it, but I'm happy. <laughs> Are you? Did you enjoy it? I really did. I think um, I'm not an articulate person. And I think anyone who knows me knows that. I'm very, I really struggle with um, spitting words out. It's something that I'm not very good at. That's why I'm quite physical because I say half a sentence and I think my body says the rest. Ah. Um, yeah, I'm not very good at using my own words. I'm good at writing my own words and I'm good at um, using other people's words. But, but, but speaking for- them in the moment, um, not my forte. <laughs> well, you did extremely well and, I'm, and I loved hearing all your stories. You too. And thank you for being like honest and and thank you for actually having something like this like a forum where you can get um different creatives to just be honest because yeah. i think it's really important yeah no thank yeah. you that means the world that honestly means the world um and yeah if, it, if people want to check out more episodes they are available on apple and spotify and i will be speaking with another guest next week and i'll speak to you all later goodbye bye, bye.